people hold money to hedge against future uncertainty. This is why it is so crucial for a monetary system to optimize for minimizing its own uncertainty. Bitcoin's purchasing power is an external quantitative risk that can be insured against, not an internal qualitative uncertainty. The best in Bitcoin made audible. I am Guy Swan, and this is Bitcoin Audible. What is up, guys? Welcome back to Bitcoin Audible. This is the show where you will hear all of the best in Bitcoin made audible. I am Guy Swan, your host, the guy who has read more about Bitcoin than anybody else you know. We have a really short one today, a really short read, but it's great. The whole thing is only like five paragraphs, but uh, it's solid for basically one paragraph, I think, just hits an idea that I love going into, and it's something I haven't talked about on the show in a while. Um, but this is about the utility of Bitcoin um, and what this actually means, what, what the purpose, what the highest value role of Bitcoin can be in today's uh, political and economic environment. And honestly, also a little piece of just the, the fundamental idea of what money really is in the first place. And this is called The Utility of Saving and it is by Pierre Richard, which I haven't read anything on the show by Pierre in quite some time. Um, and he, is, uh, he, is, uh, he has a new handle on Twitter if you're not following him. It's Bitcoin Pierre. Uh, and also, he still has Bitcoin is Savings. So I will have links to those. Check them out in the show notes. Um, if you're not following his new account, you definitely should be. And yes, I verified that it was in fact him. Um, I, was, I was uncertain. I definitely thought it was somebody playing it like just trolling at first but no bitcoin pierre is in fact pierre richard so uh yeah uh with that let's take a quick minute to thank our sponsors and then we will jump into this piece and that is the fold card for stacking sats everywhere and every time i spend fiat and then i have swan bitcoin for my automatic weekly stacking and automatic withdrawals and then my hardware wallet the BitBox 02 for keeping those sats safe and behind my keys. I use all of these services and products constantly. They keep me stacking and they keep me securing my Bitcoin life literally every single day. Hard to beat that. Check them out in the show notes. We've got some discounts, uh, some referral links and all that good stuff for you guys right in the description of this episode. So check it out. And with that, it's time to get into today's read. And it's titled The Utility of Saving by Pierre Richard Bitcoin has no utility. The critic's accusation of being useless is quickly followed by a declaration of worthlessness. What the critics miss is that the utility of a monetary system is an inverse function of the uncertainty experienced by its users. Bitcoin is the least uncertain monetary system in human history as a result of its radical decentralization. 
by interacting with your own node and holding your own keys. As a user of the Bitcoin system, you can reduce your experienced uncertainty to the absolute minimum possible within the limits of our current understanding of the laws of nature. People hold money to hedge against future uncertainty. This is why it is so crucial for a monetary system to optimize for minimizing its own uncertainty. Bitcoin's purchasing power is an external quantitative risk that can be insured against, not an internal qualitative uncertainty. Bitcoin's monetary policy is an internal qualitative uncertainty that is minimized by the system's halvings, difficulty adjustments, and proof of work. There is a trade-off between exchange rate volatility and money supply certainty. Bitcoin maximizes the latter. Satoshi seems to have stumbled onto uncertainty minimization when he was parameterizing the system. In all likelihood, the real intent was pragmatic engineering, simplicity, and stability. Yes, holding Bitcoin is using Bitcoin, but furthermore, the only purpose of receiving Bitcoin is to hold it, and the only purpose of sending Bitcoin is for someone else to hold it. All Bitcoin are always held by someone. Payments only change who is holding it. Fundamentally, Bitcoin is only savings technology, and transactions are just a feature within that product. The reality is that Bitcoin is the most useful asset in human history, and thus, the most valuable. And that was our three-minute read from Pierre Richard. Let's take a quick break for our sponsor, and then I want to do a little guy's take on this one. Are you still stuck using a boring, old fiat bank account? Well, you should have switched to Fold. Imagine that you can get rewarded with sats for dumping your fiat on day-to-day -day purchases. Now, your bank will tell you to hold your fiat in a savings account that pays you like one-tenth of one percent if you leave it there to rot for a year, while Fold gets you a base one percent back every single time you dump fiat trash for the stuff that you buy. How do you beat that? I am now entirely and have fully embraced the Fold banking life for some time now, actually, and I am loving it. I do the spins, I do the metaverse free spins and extra sats. I get my daily free sats. I use their gift cards. In fact, I actually use their gift cards a lot because they, uh, they give a lot more sats back because of the affiliate share. So it's like, like $500, the first $500 to Amazon, I get 5% back. And I use Amazon a lot, so that's super helpful. But I also got some Crypto Cloaks gift cards recently. I have not got my Node case yet, but they have 7% back on their gift cards. Again, back in Bitcoin, I get that in sats. And uh, I'm going to be using it to buy a new Node enclosure that looks boss for my studio when it gets done. So while you still have to use fiat poverty paper, and we're not yet on a Bitcoin standard, get paid Bitcoin to use your fiat. That is the Fold way. And since they added instant funding with a debit card, it's like stupid easy to use your account as a main driver. Plus, you get 20% off with code BitcoinAudible. Go to guyswan.com fold, check it out, download the app, get your free sats, and start checking out the Fold life. Again, that's guyswan.com 
slash fold. So there were a couple of reasons that I wanted to read this piece. One, Pierre hasn't written anything or I haven't read anything by Pierre in quite some time. And this was really good, despite it being very, very short. Um, but then also just because it was short and I'm a little bit sick of since I've been having limited save, uh, limited savings, limited uh, recording time. Uh, this felt like a really good one to get out in a quick fashion. Then lastly was because of this line. This single idea I think is completely lost on so many people, explicitly or specifically the, the critics of Bitcoin, but altcoiners, shitcoiners, like the whole space. It is remarkable how difficult it is to articulate how critically important this single element of Bitcoin is. Quote, this is why it is so crucial for a monetary system to optimize for minimizing its own uncertainty. Bitcoin's purchasing power is an external quantitative risk that can be insured against, not an internal qualitative uncertainty. In other words, the Bitcoin price is an external effect. It's an external measurement and risk regarding how the market will relate to Bitcoin, how the market will react to Bitcoin at any given time. And it is a short-term quantitative risk, but it can be insured against. You can simply hedge against any movement in the Bitcoin price when it comes to external markets. But it has nothing to do with any internal quality loss or gain. The internal system, the structure of the game theory and the design of the system and the monetary assurances that it provides do not change. They are made as certain and as robust as possible within the design of the system, which happens to be better than all other previous attempts and previous goods discovered for exactly this use case. Probably the best piece to dig into this a little bit deeper that we've covered on the show is a piece by um, Hans Hermann Hoppe, and it was, uh, I don't know, a few hundred reads ago, um, but it's The Yield from Money Held Reconsidered. That's the type of title of it, and it's talking about this, and I think this is originally a Rothbardian idea, but the idea of what money provides like, what is the actual utility of money, and how is it treated in the markets? Like, when do people run to money, when do, pe when do people spend money, and what does that tell us about what holding money does? What is the utility of that? And it is to hedge against uncertainty in the markets. The reason you want to hold the most widely available, most highly assured um, from the context of supply and reliability in the market, that good that becomes money in the market is because of its lack of uncertainty. It's the thing most likely to hold its value, to remain consistent as a good in, in relation to all of the other goods in the economy. All of the other goods are more likely to increase in supply. All of the other goods are more likely to be um, have some risk of trust involved or some third party, all of these things. This is why the soundest money, the hardest money, always ends up winning out when you look throughout history. Is because it's the thing that 
when you have no idea what the future of the economy holds, when you really don't know what, you know, whether these institutions are going to be solvent or insolvent, you're unsure about the future state of your investments or anything else that you're holding value in, you rush to cash, you rush back to money because money is the least uncertain. It is that good within society that has the least amount of uncertainty attached to it from every single direction in which you would relate to trade. And that is exclusively derived from monetary assurances, from a secure and verifiable monetary policy. That is by and far the highest utility of Bitcoin. And to understand why the there's actually a line just 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 a little bit down. That's like two sentences down. It says there is a trade-off between exchange rate volatility and money supply certainty. Bitcoin maximizes the latter. The trade-off between volatility and money supply. And that's because you explicitly cannot manipulate the price of something if you cannot manipulate the supply of it. If its supply is constant, you must let the exchange, the exchange rate is going to, is going to fluctuate. It simply is going to adjust to the reality of the market and there's nothing you can do about it because that is the only way to get monetary assurances. The second you can manipulate the supply, you have a tool to fix the exchange rate or to, that's why the idea of achieving stability for the sake of stability, the very idea the raison d'etre of the Federal Reserve, of the central bank from the outset, is an oxymoron. It is, it is trading short-term stability for long-term corruptibility, for the absolute guarantee that the assurances are one day going to collapse totally because they're 100% and perfectly corruptible. They're dependent on some human entity. They are dependent on a, a subjective easily manipulated and off just universally idiotic incorrect like humanity for all its greatness is nothing but a bunch of stupid monkeys banging shit together and sometimes stuff works but we're wrong 99.9 percent .9 of the time about everything all the time and we only notice it when we look backward because we've got blinders on where we are today but all most of the shit that you believe today that we think is right is in fact wrong we're not any different we're not any like more enlightened because we have the internet in fact just the opposite we have access to too much information so it's so easy for us to convince ourselves of something idiotic that i think those ideas are more prevalent today that we're running into a problem where we're we're looking at the end i mean look at fiat money look at the scam of fiat money look at the nature of economics it could not be more wrong and look at the results of it look at where it has led us that is what you make your money susceptible to. That is not certainty. That is not assurance. In fact, it's, it's assurances of the opposite nature. It is a guarantee that it will one day collapse into the black hole of human incompetence because you have made it vulnerable to that, that monster that is ever-present. The whole point of an attempt at a decentralized governmental structure is to mitigate the disasters that result from human error. 
is to create protocols and systems and rules by which we can, we can live by and in interact by despite our massive disagreements on so many different issues, despite the ridiculous attempts to control and the arrogance of thinking that we know the answer well enough to, to, to tell someone else what they can do with their life, what they can put in their body, it's, it's ridiculous. We will never have sustainable systems unless we mitigate that risk, not make that more embedded into the nature of the system. That is how you get disaster. Imagine a government that that purely rules by the whim of the majority, when, whichever way the political winds blow, and you've got a catastrophe every six months because the current thing is just absolutely wipes out every sense of certainty or stability in the society. We've allowed that to be the mechanism that governs our money. All for the sake of short-term stability. It's the same as security and liberty. Thinking that you can trade your freedom for security, just it's just you putting yourself in a prison and not realizing it until the, until the gate gets closed and you realize that you never actually had the key. You were just, hope, you were just trusting that the gate was going to stay open. So not only are you not getting short-term stability in fiat when you manipulate the supply, you're getting a false sense of short-term stability, which is misallocating resources which is cheating the market of real signals about what's actually going on. And it is destroying resources. It's propping up losses. It's propping up irresponsible behaviors. It alters the culture. It, it creates bad investments that lead to extra money to create more bad investments. And it leads to having to do the exact same thing to a greater degree further down the road because the instability gets greater, the misallocations get greater, the interdependency gets greater, and now the dominoes are too close together. And if too many people go bankrupt, the whole system comes down all because you wanted a stable price you gave up monetary assurances you gave up any and all guarantees or security about the supply and the value of the money over the long term for everybody who thinks bitcoin's monetary policy is going to change you're full of shit you just don't understand why this thing is valuable why it is at all Everything else can ultimately change about it. We can get, if we, if we need to make blocks bigger, we can just soft fork in extension blocks. I don't think we'll need to do that either. I think that's kind of the opposite of any sort of economic reality is that scarcity is what creates value. Nothing that is infinite has value. That's the nature of, that is, that is axiomatic to why a thing has value in the first place. So I don't think that's a problem, but I'll agree to disagree. We don't know, 20, 30 years down the road, somebody's gonna be right, cool, whatever. I don't give a shit. But we are not changing the monetary policy. You've destroyed everything that makes Bitcoin worth any sort of assurance if you manipulate the monetary policy. If you do so to save it from crashes, because we need these crashes. We need to wipe out the idiot leverage gambling shitcoin casino Every single time they get irresponsible and they get absurd thinking that they can get 20% APY and bet everybody else's money on it. Everybody needs to go bust when that shit is happening. You need to wipe it out. They need to lose their asses. They need to not be bailed out. They need to be sold off for 99% losses on the valuation of their company. It has to happen. Otherwise, it never stops. 
And the second you give up the security of the money supply to try to fix that instability, to paper over the losses and pretend that risk was never there, you've just embedded it. You've built it. You've, you've literally built the vulnerability. You've built the poison. You've built the, the parasite into the very foundation of the system. And it will eventually rot it all the way through to the core and the whole thing comes crashing down. There is no alternative end to that story. The value of Bitcoin, the utility of Bitcoin, is monetary certainty. And the cost of achieving that, of gaining that, is the inability to control the external market price. Volatility is the price you pay for monetary certainty. But what's funny is that it has the exact opposite feedback loop of the previous problem of giving up monetary certainty to, to have short-term quote-unquote price stability. The long-term consequences of that are extreme volatility and collapse. Ultimately, the death and the subject, the, 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 the loss of the system due to the ease, the ease of corruptibility. But just the opposite is true when you have the highest monetary assurances. In the short to midterm, it means volatility. It means inability to control the external price. But in the long term, it means stability. It means the closest thing possible to real stability because it has the highest monetary assurances and it becomes the most liquid asset in the world. And liquidity is how you create stability, real liquidity. But you do not want stable prices for the sake of stable prices. What you want are accurate prices. You want prices that mean something, that tell us the reality of the, of the investment potential, of the profits, of the value, and of the supply surplus or losses with every single product everywhere in the economy. As soon as you start papering over it, you manipulate, you just obscure the information. It's like breaking the altimeter in the plane and just pushing the, the gauge to wherever it is that's level and thinking that you're going to have a night, you're going to have a fun flight. It'll be nice and cozy and, you know, the plane won't be shifting around at all. Like it'll be stable because we've manipulated the gauge to make everything look good just before you fly into the side of a mountain. I highly recommend Hans Hermann Hoppe's piece. Uh, again, that's the yield from money held reconsidered. And it's about the idea that money, the thing that becomes the money is the thing with the highest certainty from a scarcity and value point of view. That's why during any uh, economic downturn or recession or, you know, equity collapse or whatever, what do, what do people do? They run to cash. They run to dollars. Even when the dollar environment is incredibly weak or unstable, it remains the most, the, the most highly accepted network, the most liquid good that you can hold to get value out of it later in the future. Of course, that's changing. That's changing very quickly right now. Um, and in the wake of that uncertainty, in the wake of the destruction of the foundation of economic society. That's what it is. That's what money is. 
It's the foundation that allows people to get through uncertain times. When the uncertainty reaches its peak, everything falls apart. Trust in the government falls apart. Trust in your local institutions. Well, that's actually, that's actually less of a case. In fact, tends, things tend to hyper-localize because the people around you and the people you know and interact with are the only ones that you can trust, um, which will be good. I mean, that's how you get out of these... Uh, out of these collapses, out of these, you know, massive shifts. But Bitcoin, Bitcoin is going to exist as a totem of TikTok next block, absolute monetary assurances walking into this environment. And when we have price crashes like these, and then it recovers, and the network keeps growing, and the price actually returns, again, the price is noise. It's the exchange rate volatility that is explicitly because of the monetary guarantees. It is the cost. It is the outcome of having absolute certainty in your monetary supply. And when it recovers again, and it will, an entirely new generation of Bitcoiners and millions of people around the world will realize that Bitcoin is not going anywhere that it becomes in their mind simply a force that exists in the universe, something that is there on the internet that must be contended with, and over time, without even consciously realizing it, the elegant simplicity of Bitcoin's monetary policy will slowly but surely wipe out every other money that contests it. Truly, if Bitcoin survives and maintains its monetary assurances, it has no solid competition. So, that'll do it. That'll do it for this episode. I'm also reading through uh, Dergigi's, um The Words We Use in Bitcoin, which is really good um, and super, super important for anybody, um, anybody who's new to Bitcoin, but also really anybody who's been in Bitcoin for a long time because it's amazing how much our... Well, metaphors, like you know, Gigi says, how much our metaphors, our terminology can manipulate how we think about Bitcoin and trap us into misunderstandings of Bitcoin because, because we reference it with the words that we use rather than the reality of what it is. Because so many of the things are simply abstractions like all the words and the terms and the wallets and like all these things they are abstractions of how we use them and how we relate to them regarding regarding our interaction with bitcoin but so many of the cases they're not they're not true they're not correct like a wallet from a functioning standpoint is a super terrible term for what the app that you're using actually does the the quote-unquote wallet app does not have the functions that you would think of as a normal wallet it's just the easy way to relate to it so it's going to be a really really great episode and i think it'll be kind of crucial crucial reading and or listening to anybody in bitcoin to you know get their their frame of reference correct um because it's so easy to get it wrong particularly when you get stuck in you know, simple stories and simple terminology to attempt to make sense of something that is truly new. So that'll be uh, episode sometime this weekend, maybe beginning of next week. I don't know. My schedule's all over the place. So I'll try to get it done as quick as possible, but it's going to be a good one. 
Um, so stay tuned, stay subscribed. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at the guy Swan. Lots of fun stuff on the way. Much love to fold the fold card that is my whole fiat life these days. Uh, to Swan Bitcoin for always being there and always stacking for me. And for the Bitbox for keeping that shit safe. With that, thank you guys so much for listening. Discounts, links, all the good stuff. Uh, links to uh, Hoppus piece as well in the show notes. So don't forget to check it out. With that, I am Guy Swan. This is Bitcoin Audible. And until next time, everybody, take it easy, guys. You have been listening to Bitcoin Audible, a 111 production. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.